This creature from the dirt defied the everlasting holy God. Scripture is holy. It is sanctified, set apart from any and all other writings that we have ever had and will ever exist. Self-esteem, that is a satanic idea. You're not as important as you think you are. If you have no desire to know who God is, then can you even be sure that he knows you? The gates of hell itself, or the coronavirus itself, will not stand against Jesus building his church. This is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is. Give us a man who knows the truth. One man, Jew and Gentile, bond and free. One, there is no race in Christ Jesus. Oh, how a man needs to fear God that that man might cling to his word. Give us some preachers who aren't tripping over their skirt to get into the pulpit. What's wrong with you people? Thank you for tuning in to Matter of Theology. Matter of Theology is a podcast production of Faithful Life Ministries where we address church and cultural issues from a biblical standpoint. We do seek to bring you biblical truths despite what the popular movements or networks of the day may teach. Uh, We are on Patreon. So if you would like to partner with us, head on over please to patreon.com slash Matter of Theology and become a subscriber and a partner. Uh, We have a variety of plans. Drew has been working on some small teaching lessons through the Ordo Salutis. Uh, there is an introductory uh, video as well on election there. And, um, and we're throwing around the idea of uh, doing some small devotional commentaries, going through Jonathan Edwards' uh, resolutions. Uh, and we uh, eventually will get back on uh, the horse when it comes to uh, teaching through Hebrews. Um, so if you would like to just donate money to us, uh, Faithful Life Ministries is a registered 501c3 nonprofit ministry. So your donation is tax deductible. Uh, reach out to us uh, for how you can donate. Uh, and those donations, of course, I mean, they do help us uh, to continue to put out content. Uh, but because of the times that we're in, this global pandemic and uh, what feels like uh, a half of the country sometimes in the United States filing for unemployment. Uh, We know that uh, finances can be a hindrance possibly. So, um, you know, any of our content that we, uh, that the Lord graces us to be able to produce, uh, if you really would like to receive it, just let us know. And we'll, uh, we'll, we don't want finances to be a hindrance. So, and we're working on a website finally. So um, that is coming very, very soon. So fellas, how you doing? Doing well, doing well. I'm tired. Just tired. Yeah, yeah I'm very tired. tired. I'm tired too, man. <laughs> yes, it's uh, it has been physically taxing on all of us at our jobs. Uh, been long days, long, long days. So, uh, today, uh, you know, we're gonna be talking about a topic that, um, you know, is 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 very sensitive in nature and. There have been numerous times throughout the past year um, when we've wanted to address this topic in some way, shape, or form that we're discussing today. And every time it's come up, personally, I have shied away from it 
my personal belief at the time and now was and is that there were and are men who are more qualified from an experiential standpoint and a maturity standpoint. And that's not a dig against us. That's just, that's just saying how it is um, to deal with this issue. I see Josh smiling over there. Um, and um, so, so we've been pointing people uh, to our brothers, uh, Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker of the Just Thinking Podcast and Dr. Tom Askell and Jared Longshore from Founders Ministries and their excellent uh, Synodoc by What Standard, which deals with um, uh, the Res Resolution 9 that was brought forth by, by the SBC last year. And these qualified men continue to do a great job at keeping uh, the truth in front of us when it comes to issues of ethnicity and race. And, uh, and, and th they continue to do an excellent job of keeping that truth founded in the word of God. Um, and I love that. And I know Josh loves that. And I know Drew loves that. Um, so the reason today um, that we are discussing this issue on, on this episode of Matter of Theology is in response to the response from those inside the church uh, to the very, very tragic event that took place on February 23rd this year uh, when a young man by the name of Ahmad Arbery was shot and killed. Um, I cannot stress this enough. Um, please hear me and please hear us when we say that what has happened in this situation through and through is absolutely tragic and incredibly heartbreaking. Um, as, as we pray for family and, and friends and all others that are directly affected by this tragedy, our, our hearts do break um, at, at, at what has, has transpired. Um, however, that being said, you know, in our introduction, we say that you know, that, that we seek to bring biblical truths despite what the popular movements or networks of the day may teach. And so, uh, you know, we had planned on doing something completely different this week. And uh, it was under some pretty, I felt some pretty strong conviction um, that this was a topic that we needed to address um, because there have been many um, and th that we have seen inside the church and outside the church who have uh, jumped on the emotional bandwagon one way or another when it comes to how uh, we should respond to this. Um, and so, so we, we want to talk about this from a biblical standpoint, but in order to do that, we need to lay some groundwork. Uh, as far as the facts, as they are known, uh, as of May 13th, 2020, uh, it, that, that's when this episode's being recorded, of what happened. So, um, and, and, and again, hear me, and, and I hope you hear uh, the concern, the care, um, but then the desire uh, to lay facts out here about this, about, about what we know thus far. Um, you know, and, and I am blessed to be able to work with uh, some great people. Uh, personally, and uh, a couple of which, uh, uh, quite a few actually, who have a little bit more melanin in their skin than I do. And um, I have asked each of them, hey, you know, you guys know I do a podcast. And they're like, yeah. 
And I said, so here's what we're, here's the episode we're tackling this week. And here's what we're going to talk about. And here's the angle we're coming at. And, uh, and each one of them, and I've asked them point blank, you know, um, what do you think about this? Um, is this something, is it offensive to you? Um, in, in, in any way, shape or form. And each one of them uh, has said, no, absolutely not. And in fact, I didn't know that stuff that you just told me. Um, and the facts that I'm going to go through uh, are facts that have come out concerning this case. Uh, and there will be more as things progress, as the, the trial of the McMichaels take place, there will be more evidence that comes to light. So, but as of facts, not opinions, as of facts, as of today, um, you know, while this event took place in February, February 23rd, it has exploded in less than a week. And um, so here's what we know so far. So first and foremost, I think that most of us who are familiar with the situation uh, may or may not have seen this, this, this video. It's 28 seconds of when Ahmad was, 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 was shot, when he died. Uh, if you haven't, uh, I'll caution you. It's 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 uh, pretty graphic. It's very graphic. Uh, someone loses their life on video, um, and so what appears to have happened in this video is that uh, Mr. Arbery, had, you know, he had been seen in a few additional videos before this one, uh, in a couple of surveillance videos of outside uh, vacant homes, a couple of homes that have been constructed a couple of homes that are under construction, um, walking around outside, walking around inside, um, uh, looking around, rummaging through things. Um, and in this neighborhood, there had been reported break-ins and burglaries. Um, as of today, there are five other cases, five other cases and other witnesses in Glen County uh, where Mr. Arbery was either a person of interest or a possible suspect in those cases. Um, it, you can clearly see that, that he is going in and out of, of a couple of different houses. Uh, there were 911 calls that were made concerning a young man fitting his description, entering those homes, looking around in those homes. And one of the videos, you can see someone comes out of a house across the street and yells at him, or, or you can see the mouth moving and he takes off, takes off in a sprint away, uh, fr from the homes. Um, and from that point, um, you know, this is where things start, you know, start, you know, start getting a little cloudy as a little gray, as far as what happens, there's reports that the McMichaels, the two men who have been arrested and charged with murder, um, did because under Georgia law, Georgia law states that any citizen, uh, can pursue and detain someone if they've either seen them commit a crime or if they have, quote, immediate knowledge of a crime that's been committed, immediate knowledge. Uh, Georgia law states that uh, entering a structure that has been built with the purpose of being a dwelling um, that you do not own is considered a crime. It's considered a felony. Um, so it's been reported that the uh, McMichaels uh, did, tr did try at two other points other than the video where we see Ahmad dying um, to, to apprehend him. So now I want to stop here and, and say that I'm not defending anyone. Okay. 
I am just stating the facts as I have read them. Uh, I have listened to the 911 calls. Um, I have watched the videos. Each of these videos that have been talked about, I have watched them. Um, now, you know, the video, I, I'll just, I, I, won't, I won't go into too much detail again because of the graphic nature of the video where, where Ahmad does lose his life. But in that video, you see him running down the left side of the street. The camera is very shaky. Um, so the McMichaels, you know, you come around a slow curve, not a sharp curve, a slow curve. And you see a, a white pickup truck in the right-hand lane um, parked. There's a man standing in the back. And then you see another man standing on the other side of the road, adjacent to the truck, holding a shotgun. And that gentleman has been identified as Travis McMichael. Um, uh, Ahmad, then he runs towards the, the, the vehicle. The camera kind of drops out of frames, very shaky, and then comes back up. And you see Ahmad moving towards Travis, swinging, throwing fists, grabbing for the gun, and a battle for the weapon ensues. And that's when you hear the firearm discharge twice and where Ahmad was unfortunately mortally wounded. And again, this is tragic. It's, it's heart-wrenching, it's heartbreaking, it's stomach-churning to see if you haven't seen it again, I would caution you. Uh, and I'm not taking sides. You know, uh, well, at, at, go ahead, go ahead. We need to go so far as to say it's evil. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Mm -hmm. This, yeah, yeah. Is, this no. is an evil thing that happened. Right. Like this isn't an accident. This isn't a accident or not, no matter like it is an e because of what we know of our theology, what we know of the depravity of man, that it affects literally every aspect of who we are. The events that happened here are demonically evil. And we need to be okay with stating that. Mm -hmm. Sure. Absolutely. No, absolutely. I, do. I, I want to bring in a piece that I don't think a lot of people are talking about. And that is, um, so the home that Ahmad is seen on camera going into, it, it was a home that I believe was being renovated. That home, the homeowner has spoken out. His name is Larry English. And he asked the McMichaels to actually watch over his house while he was away. He was, he was gone. Oh, wow for some period of time and the first incident where because it says there's multiple conference he's had multiple confrontations with this kid um the dad greg greg mcmichael i believe is his name sent a text message to larry letting him know that someone that he saw someone uh on his property going through his house um and then it, this, uh, I guess that was two weeks before this actual incident took place. So then the incident took place, and then that's where uh, the chase ensued um, and all that happened. So, so gotcha. if this wasn't just like a, a construction site, a home that was being built or whatever, it was a home that was occupied that was being renovated that someone actually owned, and the homeowner had asked the McMichaels to uh, watch over their house, and they had already seen. Uh, someone fitting Ahmad's description once before going into that house. And if you look on the video, it looks like there's one where, and this is, and that's from a, a report from CNN. Um, that's CNN that broke that, that wrote that article. But uh, oh, if wow. you look on the video, it looks like you can see Ahmad in what looks like a garage, but in other yeah, parts of the yeah, video, it looks one. like he comes out the front door. 
Um, and then goes back in. It goes another back point. in. That's yeah. right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I, uh, obviously there, there are a lot of questions that come up concerning, uh, you know, the, the, the less than 30 second video that, that has come out, you know, the main video that, that really has sparked this, uh, uproar outrage, if you will, um, this, you know, that this commentary that you find from, uh, uh, celebrities and, um, you know, um, really ultimately, uh, people who, who, need to stop talking. Uh, um, and, and, and that, that's, what's exploded by this. You know, an- another fact is, um, you know, that Glenn County is now on their fourth district attorney to try to prosecute this case. They've, they've, they've charged these men with murder. Um, you know, murder is defined as pre, you know, premeditated murder. Um, uh, uh you know, and, and now, I've, uh, you know, I, I do think the, the very first DA that was on this case, I think he has a relation to Greg McMichael. So the family who was asked, a former investigator that's with right. Glenn County. Yeah. yeah. And so I think the family asked him to recuse himself and he did. Um, and so he removed himself. But then to still be on your fourth DA, that tells you how many DAs don't want to try this case. Right. Right. So, uh, you know, um, I, we just wanted to lay some groundwork uh, to to the information that has come out uh, thus far. I mean, obviously there are still. I mean, there's still going to be so much information that that comes out, and 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 you know, we the the purpose of talking about this in this episode is uh, you know one of the things that that we noticed, um, and it wasn't just us. There there've been a lot of of people inside evangelical Christianity who have just noticed how quickly how quickly people have responded to this. And, um, you know, when this video hit earlier this week, uh, the, the number of people um, on, on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and everywhere else um, that were either crying out for justice or crying out against the injustice of, of, of what has happened. And uh, there are those inside the church who uh, are, you know, for all intents of just calling it how it is, who, who don't have much melanin in their skin, apologizing to our, our, our black brothers and sisters for uh, the injustice that has taken place, um, you know, towards them. And so there, there are a couple of things that I wanted to address when talking about this. And then, and I know, I know Drew had some stuff and Josh had some stuff uh, as well. Um, First and foremost, I absolutely agree with Josh. Um, This, the, this situation, someone made in the image of God, um, was 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 taken. Their 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 lives that their life was ended, um, and the cause of that, um, what whatever facts end up coming out, whatever uh, you know, a, a jury of the peers of the McMichaels uh, ends up coming up with. Um, and, and, and what they, what, where they land that, that is yet to be seen. But the fact is this, that someone made in the image of God, um, has had their life taken from them, uh, because of sin, ultimately because of sin. Um, and we, we keep hearing, like I said, we keep hearing this, this, these things, justice for Ahmad or justice for the McMichaels. And we're seeing the word injustice thrown around a lot. So one of the first things that I wanted to discuss is if we're going to talk about justice, 
we have to, as believers in Christ, if we're going to profess faith in Jesus Christ and say that we hold to the sufficiency, the inerrancy, and the infallibility of Scripture, we have to define those terms from the standpoint of what Scripture speaks to about justice. To quote Charles Haddon Spurgeon, he said this, quote, Justice may at times leave the courts of man, but it abides on the tribunal of God, period, close quote. To quote my brother Daryl Harrison, he said this in an excellent, excellent article on his blog, justthinking.me. He said, quote, the justice God, God demands of us is rooted in his nature, not ours. And that's a cross-reference for Deuteronomy 32.41. God's desire that you and I treat one another justly is grounded in the universal reality that each one of us bears the image of God, the Imago Dei, not the image of man, the Imago Homo, period. Yeah, Close and, quote. And, and talking about this with justice, um, and I think you're, you're going to get into this about Christians needing to wait for the facts to come out, um, but we hear people calling for justice before there's even any facts. So, so what the people Correct. really mean when they call for justice, whether it's justice for Ahmad, is they want these men to receive punishment before there's any facts given. Or when they say justice for the McMichaels, that means they want these men to be let go before there's any facts given. So we, in talking about justice, one, we need to define the terms as God right. defines these terms. Right. But we need to stop having the presupposition that justice means this person was innocent or that person was innocent. And right. we need to actually allow justice to take place well you know and i think yes i agree with that and i think to add some add perhaps add some balance coming from the other end too i understand the the reason for the outcry um there has been not all i'm not going to say all but but definitely many times where instances like this have happened in america and true justice has not sure happened has sure. not happened. Sure. Um, and if we're going to be honest, <laughs> uh, there is a track record of justice being withheld from certain minority groups over others. Well, um, then I would, now, I would say, but I would say that, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Now we have to be balanced in everything that we say. Um, does that mean that that we then give credence or we we bend or we do something different because of a certain situation no that's that's not what that means we still seek true justice equally in all situations it doesn't mean that doesn't mean that we change how we investigate that doesn't mean how we that's how we that it doesn't mean that we change how we view things it doesn't mean that we change um, how we go about seeking true justice in any situation. I'm just saying it, I, I understand. I hear because we, you know, we hear, you know, even from the mouth of King David crying out to the Lord because of the injustices that happened to him. Injustice has happened. Ooh, yeah, no. And I agree with you, but I also think that from the standpoint of the believer, the moment you are reconciled to God, your desire for vindication 
against anything that may have happened to you, if you don't see justice in this world, you have to be content with the fact that justice is the Lord's. So, yeah, and, I mean, and I've heard Dr. White talk about this, where he says, uh, because, and to speak to your point, Josh, as well, where there are, right, and I have something there, else, yeah, there yeah. are injustices that are done in this world that that go unpunished, but absolutely, but that doesn't mean they won't be dealt with in the next world. And and that also doesn't mean that we don't speak up and sure. speak yeah. out against those injustices, but we do so in a way that where number one. We don't fall into, uh, you know, what what Proverbs twenty eight says in verse. Uh, excuse me, Proverbs eighteen verse thirteen. He who gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame to him. So two things: we 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 do so with the facts, but then we also do so in a place where it it is from the presupposition and from the be the foundation and the standard of God's word and God's way, uh, Christ like. You know, I mean, look, you want to talk about injustice and the, the, the most heinous act of injustice that's ever been committed uh, was against the Lord Jesus Christ himself, who was reviled, Peter says, and did not revile in return. Now, again, that, uh, Josh, to your point, and wonderfully stated, there has to be balance. There has to be balance. Um, you know, so we, we have to understand that injustice when we when we talk about justice and injustice it has to be biblically and and the moment that the moment that you know that we uh deviate from that i think we're guilty of being partial we're we're guilty of of showing showing you know favoritism based upon other presuppositions that again don't start and come from the word of god now, I say that in love, and I say that to me as well. Um, so, yeah. Moving on. Moving on. Yes. All right. <laughs> um, so, um, so yeah. I, I mean, we, we we do. We 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 have to we have to understand that that God that God is the judge, and we have to understand that, as as Second Corinthians tells us that. Um, uh, you know, that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation because we ourselves have been reconciled to God. We who were enemies of God, uh, who were at enmity with God, have been made right with God through the shed blood of Christ. Um, so uh, I, that was all I had to say on that topic um, before moving on to the, the real hot button issue. Uh, <laughs> uh, was there anything else you guys had to add there? No? All right, cool. Um, so, so the next thing that we hear, uh, you know, uh, that, that that came out immediately, um, and and I'm trying to, I'm trying to pull this up. Uh, Drew, you don't have that tweet from LeBron up, do you? Uh, actually, yes, I do. Do you, okay, I do. Can you read that? Yes, I can. <clears throat> Thank you. This is from LeBron James. He says, we're literally hunted every day. Every time we step foot outside the comfort of our homes, can't even go for a jog, man. 
Like, WTF, man, are you kidding me? No, man, for real, are you kidding me? I'm sorry, Ahmad, rest in paradise. So, so one of the things that, just, uh, yeah, go, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, 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 keep going, keep going. What were you gonna say? One of the things that really irritates me is when one when lebron james opens his mouth because i'm not a lebron james fan dude you're not the greatest basketball player okay jordan is you're you in top 100 but you somewhere ahead of steph but behind dennis rodman so let's just get that clear okay but that's a a, a topic for a different day when he gets into this okay we're literally hunted every day LeBron, who is hunting you? Nobody. Nobody is hunting. You are right now the most recognizable NBA player. You're the most recognizable athlete in the entire world, okay? And your shoes, no matter how ugly and how uncomfortable they are, are being bought up by little white kids, okay? Stop, LeBron. No one is hunting you, okay? It makes me upset when celebrities jump on a topic that has made just national news coverage in order to just get their voice out there and take a stand. But what you don't hear LeBron talking about is this, and that is in the past year one year 365 days and this is from chicago tribune as of april 27th i believe 365 days you don't hear anything from lebron james about the 335 young black men that have been murdered in chicago who is hunting who lebron what are you talking about? Because it seems like you're just speaking from a place of privilege on something that's just in the news so you can have your voice made known as to where you stand. You have no clue what's going on. That's, that's all I had to say. Sorry. Well, well I mean, obviously you know what, what one of the things that immediately came out with this is 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 the issue of race uh the issue of racism the issue uh i mean there there are those who are saying oh here we go we have a we have a lynching in in 2020 a modern day lynching in 2020 we're still still dealing with this and and, and look i'm going to go back to what i said at the very beginning when we started this episode uh, the facts are still coming out you don't know that we don't know that. Uh, that very well could be the case. That abs- a, a, a remember now in our country, in our country, and, and this lines up with scripture. In the United States of America, we are innocent until proven guilty, not guilty until proven innocent. That's not the way it works. First Corinthians thirteen, Paul says that in love we hope in all things. Love hopes all things. So again. 
not taking sides either way. If this comes out that these two men did what they did based upon ethnic hatred, then so be it. Then they need to be punished accordingly. Mm-hmm. And Lord willing, it. they will be. Absolutely. Um, now, if it came out, if it comes out that they did not do this, that this was a tragic case of manslaughter, that this was a tragic case of of them attempting a citizen's arrest that went horribly wrong, um, then the punishment needs to fit the crime. Yeah. Now, I do want to um, say this to give balance, as as Josh was talking about. In this country, have there been instances where where black men were murdered for be, simply Absolutely. being black. Yes. Yes. Are there instances today where there are black men that are murdered for simply being black? Yes. I'm go, I will stand by that, that that is absolutely true. But, but there's th- also been just within the last two weeks, mm-hmm. again, got it, got, we got, again, the facts. Mm-hmm. Go right down the middle. Maintain your lane. Stay in your lane. Mm-hmm. There was a Jewish man in the middle of a Jewish service in New York, and this is just one of a string of crimes committed in New York against the Jewish community. The man was stabbed in the head for being a Jew by a black man. Where's that story? You don't see it because it doesn't fit the narrative. Now, I will say absolutely, there are absolutely crimes against ethnicities Absolutely. And it's awful and it's horrible and it has no place, especially, especially amongst those who profess faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, however, we, we don't know that. And, and this is where this is where we see the dangers of uh, political socioeconomic ideologies such as critical race theory and black liberation theology wreaking havoc. And, 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 and influencing the narrative in multiple directions, okay? Now, I, um, I have a very, very, very long series of quotes that I'm going to read uh, from uh, Daryl Harrison uh, from the Just Thinking Podcast. And um, I, I wanted to quote this verbatim because, it number one, it's an excellent commentary on because we've talked about CRTI before, we've talked about black liberation theology, but this, Daryl defines these terms better than anything else I've ever read and ever heard. And I've been listening to a lot of this stuff over the last week. So I'm going to read this um, as Daryl said it on their podcast. This is from their episode entitled Whiteness. And you can listen to it. We would encourage you to listen to it. So uh, Daryl said this, quote, critical race theory, is the view within the, within social science that race, instead of being biological and natural, is socially constructed in that race, as a socially constructed concept, functions as a means to maintain the interest of the majority white population that constructed it. Okay, that's what CRTI people say. According to, to critical race theory, racial inequality emerges from the social, economic, and legal differences that white people create between races in order to maintain elite white interest in labor markets, politics, and as such create circumstances and structures that give rise to the poverty and criminality that exists in many minority communities. 
Critical race theories combine progressive political struggles for racial justice with critiques of the conventional, legal, and scholarly norms are themselves viewed as part of the illegitimate hierarchy that needs to be destroyed. Critical race theorists reject the idea that race has a natural referent. Instead, for them, race is a product of social processes of power, period, close quote. Okay, um, right on. And that speaks to why critical race theory cannot be an analytical tool as Resolution 9 from the Southern Baptist Convention last year tried to put forth. Okay, so the, he, he, and then he goes in to talk about black liberation theology. Okay, he says, quote, the idea of black liberation theology emerged in the second half of the 1960s when a small group of radical black clergy began to reinterpret the meaning of the Christian faith from the standpoint of the black struggle for liberation in the United States. The main objection of black liberation theology was to, quote, theologize from within the black experience, close quote, rather than being confined to duplicating the theology of Europe or white North America, black liberation theology represented the theological reflections of a radical black of radical black clergy seeking to interpret the meaning of God's liberating process in a society where blacks were being economically exploited and politically marginalized because of their skin color. These these two ideologies uh, continue to seep their way through the evangelical church, and and we see the effects of that. We see the effects of that rhetoric. Um. And so, so what, what, these, what black liberation theology and critical race theory, what they're stating is that basically if black people aren't flourishing in the same way economically as white people, um, then it, it, it's, it, it, and, and white people are, are basking in the glow of the economic su success in America, then the reason for that is that white people are inherently discriminatory and need to apologize. For being white and that's that like i said that that's what's so deadly and dangerous when it comes to these concepts the the rhetoric here uh, you know it it the language is based in psychology and sociology and here's what really makes it deadly with inside the church is there are certain layers and little sprinklets of eisegesis when it comes to certain theological or biblical terminology they're, they're, and again, to quote Daryl one more time, these ideas, all of them, are grounded in worldly, man-centered wisdom and not in the wisdom of God. They are worldly theories, worldly solutions, and worldly approaches that are not grounded in Scripture. Mm -hmm. So, um, let's see what the Bible has to say, shall we, uh, concerning this, because because this is important. This is extremely important, especially in how we respond to stuff like this. So Acts 17.26 says this, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and boundaries of their habitation. Okay, the word nation there in the Greek is the word ethnos. And it is literally translated and it describes a nation or a people. It's, it's where we get the word ethnicity. So the, and, and as we've, we've said this before in certain other episodes when we've talked about uh, this has come up in, in, in conversation, 
There's no such thing as race. There is one human race, Homo sapiens, all descended from Adam and Eve. There are different ethnicities, but there is one, one human race. All right, so I'm going to pause there, and then I have some quotes from scientists and some biologists to back that up. What you guys got? Sorry, my mic was off, or it was on mute. <laughs> um, that was for you yelling at me to calm down, right? <laughs> you put it on. I didn't <laughs> yell at all. <laughs> you were yelling. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we, I think we've lost sight, especially within the church, the fact that when we talk about race. When we talk about ethnicity, um, that after after we have Christ, that is no longer a defining, or at least that is no longer a primary way that we should be defining ourselves or each other. Amen. Yeah. That race and culture, ethnicity, color are all secondary um, to the fact that we are unified. And in the exact same family that is united in the blood of Christ. Yeah. And that is truly, especially if it, you know, especially when it happens in the church or among Christians is what makes issues of racism uh, so evil and so saddening is what, what, what racism is at its core is forgetting that that other person is made in the image of the same God that you were. And it is putting your status, your ethnicity, your color, yourself, and viewing that other person as lesser than you. Mm -hmm. And that's wrong. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's evil. And the church should be, when we are dealing with these issues, uh, and they're real issues when we're dealing with them. We should not be dealing with them the way that society does. Yes. Thank you. And that's the problem is that we have bought into this belief that because it is categorized as a societal issue and not a spiritual issue, that we have to deal with it with the tools that society says we have to use. Hmm. And we fall into the trap of believing that when in actuality, the only thing that is going to cure racism is the gospel. Amen. It's remembering that this person, no matter their color, no matter their creed, no matter their faith, is made in the image of the same God that created me. That's right. And it's the gospel and it's a relationship with Jesus Christ that gives us the ability to view everyone through that lens. Mm -hmm. That's right. And we become, we fall into the trap of dealing with a spiritual issue with a societal and physical remedy. And that's where we get uh, you know, 
the statements made by people like LeBron James and has crept into the church is that, you know, certain parties need to pay, you know, <laughs> uh, reparations. reparations or we need to be feeling yeah. because here's the thing. If we're going to, you know, I'm, I'm Norwegian. My family was not here during any of the very heinous and evil acts that happened in America a long time ago. Uh, right. If there's any race that I should be making reparations toward, it's the Irish. Okay, let's be, let's be honest, because my pe- my people and the Irish did not blend very well, right? But just buy them a pint the go- and they'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's exactly right. But the gospel takes care of those issues that's because right. the gospel goes deeper than just blood. It gets into the soul and it unites us in the person of Jesus Christ. And that is what I am seeing in the a lack of in the church today, even among leaders yeah. uh, who have the the great uh, benefit of having a platform where a lot of people listen to them, a lot of people take what they say, um, and it's being squandered, and that they are pointing people toward physical and societal remedies to fixing racism. And it's what it's going to do is it's just going to take the layer off the top when in actuality, we need to be getting into the real problem, which is a spiritual problem, which is total Mm. depravity, forgetting who we are uh, before Christ and remembering what Christ has done for us. And if we were to actually get into the roots of the problem, we would see the cure for racism in the church and out of the church has always been, and will always be the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So Galatians three. Yep. In, uh, in saying that I wanted to touch on a tweet by Daryl that Chris, you posted the other day or yesterday, and I thought it was great. And he says, biblically, this is, this is Daryl Harrison, biblically, there are only two attitudes you and I can have toward one another, love or hate. And he says, see 1 John chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. And that's very true. We can only have love or hate towards one another. But I want to take it a step further. Those are the two attitudes we can have. If you are a believer in Christ, you claim to be in Christ. There, there are only two views you can have of people, and that is in Christ or outside of Christ. But those right. that we view outside of Christ, guess what we are to do? Love them. And we are to That's give right. them the gospel. And right. e- even if they hate us, because if they slap our cheek, what are we to do? Give them the other one. Turn the other cheek. They want us to carry their, carry their load. Guess what you do? You walk the extra mile. Right. And, and you know, the, I, I, the, oh, issue, ahead, the issue is that we, when, we, when, we, when we interact with individuals that want to bring up the evils that happened in the past, right? Um, I think there are, are, <laughs> there are ways to deal with that where there are ditches on both sides. The ditch on the left or right, whichever way you're facing the ditch, uh, is to just, uh, is to completely accept that and to say, yes, because of the evils that happened in the past, therefore, uh, you know, us, you know, white people need to start acting this way and feeling sorry. So that that's one ditch. The other ditch is pretending that, that none of it ever happened Correct. or that the Correct. feelings people have aren't real. Right. Holocaust might, deniers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. like, and, yeah. and, and this might just be, 
this might just be the counselor in me, but we need to be taking those individuals that have those hangups, right? And they're real hangups, <laughs> all right? And they are hangups that honestly, I, I will fully admit, I don't understand. I don't know what it's like to look back into my history and see my ancestors in slavery. I don't know what that's like. I can't imagine that's awesome. That's, that's gotta be, that's gotta suck at times. Mm -hmm. But the idea is not to, because of that, just, just wipe it away and say, well, you shouldn't be feeling that because it happened in the past and it didn't affect you. That's so unloving. Sure. What we need to be doing is taking those individuals with the hangups that they have and the problems that they have and leading them to Christ saying, okay, look, yeah. was there evil done in the past? Yes, there was. What does the gospel tell us of how to deal with that? Mm -hmm. How does the gospel affect and infect our minds in this certain scenario? And we need to be taking those and applying the gospel to them. Mm -hmm. Right. Because they are gospel centered issues at the root of that. Mm -hmm. What is it? It's hatred. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. pride. Uh, it's fear. All of which the remedy for is the gospel. Right. And that's really the, the heart of this whole issue is it's not about it's 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 not race issue. It's not it's not injustice issue. It's a gospel issue. It's a gospel issue. Sure. And it's a heart all the way issue. around. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's a heart yeah. issue. Right. So so when people come and 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 that that is. The, the reason I say that is because more than often, that is the response that I see from conservative evangelicals, if you will, is just, well, it didn't affect you, so you shouldn't be worried about it. Okay, sure, it didn't affect them. That's true. That's true. Um, but that's a pretty like cold and unloving way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I, We need balance on both sides. Right. Um, and the gospel will illuminate the issues. Right. And it and will... And is the remedy for the issues. Yeah. And just because you're not of a certain melanin count in your skin doesn't mean you don't have the ability to speak into the issue, right? Because there's people Correct. that will right. say, well, because you guys are white, y'all shouldn't, y'all have no business speaking into it. You don't know what it's like experientially. Well, guess what? Jesus never experienced sin, but he sure has a lot to say about it. Okay. Well, well, right. And, and I mean, here's the thing, the exact same arguments are used for abortion just yeah, because I'm right. not able yep. to have a baby. It means that I can't speak against abortion. Right. That's blatantly false. Right. Every single Christian has the duty given Mer to them by God to speak against sin, to speak against evil and to use the yes. gospel as the remedy for yeah. that, whether yeah. that be abortion, yeah. whether that be adultery, whether that be porn, whether that be racism, whatever it is. That's right. Yeah. Sin is still sin, no matter what sin gender is you are. Sin doesn't matter your gender and it doesn't matter your race. That's right. And that's what I'm saying is when, when you view it through, this is what I, I uh, this is what I want to encourage everybody to do. When you view it through scripture, when you mm. view it as a spiritual problem and a heart problem, it makes everything so clear. The reason it's so complicated in our society today is because we're viewing it as a social issue. Yeah. 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 It's never meant it's it was never meant to be viewed as that. View it as a nope. heart issue. And if it's a heart issue, it's a gospel issue that makes everything crystal clear. Right. Because it yeah. puts it in the realm of scripture. Yeah, and you you touched on it earlier. You're talking about the nature of man and man's depravity, right? So when someone comes to me and they say, "Can you can you believe this mother did drowned her children and blah blah." And I go, "That's that's what's in the heart of man. Yeah. That, that's right. the depravity of man. 
Should I be heartbroken and saddened by that and and distraught by that? Absolutely. But at the same time, should I be surprised about that? No, I shouldn't. Right. That should make me want to fight even more to get the gospel out. Well, and we need to stop falling into the trap as a church of thinking that, that, that these issues are going to be solved by some sort of societal resolution. Right. Right. right? Yeah. It's, it's not, it's yeah. not going to happen. Racism is still racism. Sin is still sin. Evil is still evil. The only thing that combats that is the gospel. And it gets so dark and so murky and so uh, just, just, just unable to be able to see through the fog when you're trying to deal with things off of your home base. You have to bring it back to scripture. Yeah. Bring it back to what you yeah. know about man, what you know about God, and let the gospel do its work because it will. Well, and and that that's one of the reasons that I wanted to get into the defin those the the very complicated definitions of critical race theory and black liberation theology, is because of how complicated and convoluted it is. When it when you need to get just as both of you just wonderfully stated, back to the heart of the issue. And the heart of the issue is, as Daryl said in that tweet, you either love or you hate. It is in your heart to love your brother or hate your brother. There's, there's, there's nothing, there's no isms, Daryl said. It's just, it's just, it's one or the other. Um, you know, Josh, to your point, absolutely. You, 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 to the weak, we become weak, Paul said. You know, that we, we comfort, we are comforted by God, 2 Corinthians 1, so that we can comfort. Um, and all at the same time, all most importantly, by pointing people to, the gospel, pointing people to scripture, period, period. And, uh, you know, one of the, one of the things that I was, uh, you know, going to bring up, but we, we went in a different direction, which is fine. Um, is, you know, drew to your point, uh, there's so many inside the church, uh, who may not have a higher melanin count than, uh, some of our other brothers and sisters. Um, and so we think we can't speak into this. Um, you know, or, or we go to the opposite ditch to where we are apologizing for, for being white and, or apologizing for what has happened before the facts come out. I mean, there was, there was somebody who, you know, right after all this happened, um, with Ahmad, you know, we're, I mean, they were quoting Dietrich Bonhoeffer and comparing what happened to the Jews in uh, the Holocaust to what happened to this young man. And it's just not the same thing. Um, so yeah. bring it but, back to the gospel. But, but, it's uh, simple. But, well, yeah, because because all of that, like all of that, all of the mess and all of the convoluted, uh, confusing responses that we see to this issue is a direct result of not viewing and dealing with this issue the way that we should be. Yeah, if uh, when someone from the culture that that doesn't claim to be in Christ, when they come out and they say they apologize for their whiteness or being white or whatever, I'm not surprised because they believe they believe that they can be born in the wrong body, right, and the wrong gender. Uh, but if you are inside the church and you are stepping out and saying I apologize for for being white or whatever, what you're really saying is because really you don't control the skin tone that you are. You're, you're putting that blame back on God. And really you're saying God has, we have to blame God for my whiteness 
because he's the one that made me this way. And now I need to apologize for you for God making me white. Right. So, well, and, and to, you know, to, to speak to all of that and, and to kind of jump on what Josh was saying earlier from a biblical standpoint, you have passages um, that again, for those inside the church, bring, bringing this back here to, it, it doesn't need to be one or the other. It doesn't need to be on one side of the ditch or the other. It doesn't, you, we are one in Christ. Gal, uh, Galatians, starting in Galatians, we're going to go Galatians, Colossians, Ephesians. So in Galatians chapter three, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female for you are all one in Christ. Sorry, we're going to do Ephesians because Ephesians is first before Colossians. Uh, Ephesians 2. Uh, Ephesians 2, verses uh, 11, uh, starting in verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who were called the, quote, uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at a time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall and then lastly colossians if i can get there, there we go colossians chapter 3 verse 11 i'm sorry i'm going to start at verse 9 because verse 9 also applies to what we're talking about in this episode verse 9 colossians 3 do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free man, but Christ is all and in all. Yeah, right. And, and you have like that, that is the perspective, right? It, that gives us the perspective of who we are in Christ, what unites us and how, what is the barometer that we should be viewing each other through? It's through the unity that we have in Christ, right? So when we come to instances like this of racism or murder, uh, selfishness, you know, whatever the issue is, we view it through scripture. What is it? It's a sin issue that makes it a heart issue, that makes it a gospel issue. What do we know? about when one person sins against the other. Is it a group thing where everyone needs to be sorry for everybody when somebody sins against me? Let's go to Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen even to them, tell it to the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector, right? So we view forgiveness and reconciliation 
if we're going to follow the Bible as our standard of how Amen. to deal with sin, it is on an individual basis every time. That's where it starts. If somebody has sinned against me, then I go to them and tell them, hey, <laughs> uh, you sinned against me. Mm. And it's a one-on-one -on -one interaction with the gospel being at the center with always the result, not recompense, but reconciliation. Amen. That is the result. That is the desired result. That's the goal Amen. of the forgiveness process, right? So when we're looking at instances like this, is the is the right thing to do that, you know, all of this party, all of this race and all of this race should be mad at each other? No, that's not going to do anything. That's just going to cause more heartache and more grief. And it's going more to division. stir and more division where there should be unity. Yes. The, the, what, what needs to happen is the gospel needs to be at the center of this issue. And churches and pastors and individuals need to stop trying to deal with racism and social, social uh, you know, what, what, whatever the sin is, stop trying to deal with it on the terms of society and culture. You have in your hands the only thing that is going to bring unity and healing in that situation. And it's the gospel of Christ. And we need to well, and Jesus, remember Jesus, oh, sorry, that. Josh, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry, buddy. Yeah, Jesus prayed that for us in John 17 that we would be one, that we would be unified. Um, uh, you know, we see, we see Paul saying the same thing in, in Ephesians four, that we are, um, we are to, to walk with in a manner worthy of the calling with which we've been called with all humility, gentleness, patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all and through all and in all. Amen, man. All right. So at the end of the day, why should we hate murder? Why should we hate racism? Why should we hate injustice? Is it because of some sort of societal reason? Is it because of something that happened in the past? Or is it something that is happening even right now? Is that, is that the reason that we should hate it? No. We should hate it because it goes against God and his gospel. Right. That is the reason we hate it. And that's the reason that we need to be voices of clarity and balance mm. in times like this. The church should not be adding to the noise or adding to the confusion. We should be the oh. ones that are pointing to the light that brings clarity. Amen. Yeah, I think a, a good exercise would be to say when, when someone steps out and says, this is evil, this is, th this is bad, this is wrong, then we need to go, by what standard is this evil? Why do you call this evil? Right? Because ultimately we know the standard that determines what's good and what's evil is God's word, bringing it back to the gospel. Um, why, is, why is murder wrong? Because God's not a murderer, right? Why is lying wrong? Because God's not a liar. Um, so, so why do we call anything evil? We call things evil because God has declared certain things to be evil. Right. And therefore, and therefore how, what we determine, how we, we resolve that 
is whether or not uh, we go into God's word and we look at what he says as to how we're to do it. Like Josh, you just read, especially with our brother, the goal is reconciliation. Right. The goal is not for, for me to have one up on him just to say, I made him apologize or I made him, you know, denounce his whiteness or something like that, or, or I got the better of him. The goal is to, is to, uh, is to come to them in love and say, you've sinned against me. This is where you've sinned against me so that they can see and then have them genuinely repent of that and come mm -hmm. to you in love and be reconciled in love, not just so you can have one up on someone. Yeah. 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 The church needs to be on the front lines of calling evil, evil. But we also need to be on the front lines of pointing people to where that evil can be destroyed. Yes. Yes. Uh, we, I, I we need to do both. Well, and it, when it comes to situations like this, when it comes to situations like this, this tragic death of, of Ahmad uh, Arbery, and you know, you've got a, you've got a family that lost a, a son and a brother, and uh, and you've got a family that, um, uh, you know, that that has a father and a son and a brother and an uncle and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, in jail uh, on, on trial for murder. You know, what, who who should who should the church be running to help? It isn't one or the other; it's both and. Yes. Yes. It's, it's both. both. And it's, it's, both. it's, we, we have a responsibility and I'll say this too: the church, Josh, to your point, the church is to be first Timothy three, the pillar and the buttress of what the truth, yeah. the truth. Well, look Quick at Paul to listen, look right? At Paul, man, Paul right. was, Paul was a murderer, right? Paul was guilty of murder, right? In God's eyes. He says he was a persecutor of the church, right? Mm -hmm. and, and then when Paul became converted, they were skeptical. They were skeptical. Sure. But what happened? Did they, did they continue to treat him as though he was a murderer? No. They didn't. Oh. Yeah. So, so no. that's I where... Mean, look... You, yeah, you, you, you treat both and. You, you mourn the loss of someone that was created in God's image. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. and, and a family that lost a family member because... We never want uh, that to happen. We never want an image bearer of God to be killed. Right. right. But at the same time, how do you deal with the fact that he is? And then there are those who did it for whatever reason we don't know yet. Exactly. Yeah, right. And, and I'm dealing, I can hold both things as true. If it comes out, you know, at the end of this trial that, 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 this murder or manslaughter happened because of because of something to do with race i'm going to call for justice because god is a god of justice but at the same time i'm going to call for those men to repent and put their trust in christ yes, yes sure right nobody until they have drawn their last breath should be forgotten in terms of our evangelism Amen. Look at look at Christ going through the agony of crucifixion and having the wrath of God placed on his shoulders. Look what he still takes time out of his very busy and agonizing day to do. Mm. Look to the thief on his side and grant him salvation. If Christ can take time to do that while struggling for breath on the cross, I think we can do it too. And he mm. took time to look at his persecutors and say, forgive them. Give them. Forgive them as they are mocking him, mm -hmm. as they are slinging insults 
as they are, and, and he would have had every right to rip those nails out and condemn every single one of the people that were condemning him and send them straight to hell. He would have had every right to do it, but he didn't. Sure. That's right. You want to you want to know the closest the closest act of Christ I've seen in a situation like this? The Charleston church that that kid went in and shot up. Now, was were his crimes racially motivated? Absolutely. They were. Mm-hmm. But then what happened when those family members of those victims took the stand? They looked at him and they forgave him and they gave him the gospel. That takes courage. Yeah. That is someone I am envious of. Those, those men and women that took the stand in the midst of their pain and their suffering of losing family, family, family members to look at their murderer and say, mm-hmm. I forgive you, and I want Correct. you to come to know Christ. Amen. Right. Well, I mean, the exact same thing, the, the, the murder, uh, Carrie Ridgeway. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the girl's uncle who got up, and, and, and up, uh, you know, up until the uncle had spoken, all the family members were up there just, just sending, you know, condemning Ridgeway to hell. Just like, you know, I hope you burn in hell. I hope it's long. I hope it's, I hope it's hot. I hope you you remember everything, and it just 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 ripping him, and then this old frail dude gets up and says, "I forget what he says." I cry every time I watch the video. Something to the effect of, "There are a lot of people here that hate you, but I'm not one of them. Mm. In fact, I forgive you." And Gary Ridgeway breaks, <laughs> and he just crumbles. <laughs> uh, and Drew, like that. That's it, man. Like that is what the gospel does. That is impossible without the gospel. That's, it's not possible to have that type of courage, that type of love, and that type of mercy and forgiveness if you had not been given it first. That's right. Mm. Amen, man. Well, with that, uh, I think we've... Uh, exhausted this <laughs> for now. <laughs> um, you know, but I, I hope if you've hung in with us this long, I hope you hear our hearts and our hearts are not to, uh, not to condemn and not to take sides and not to prosecute one side over the other. Um, but to understand that the Lord is sovereign and on his throne. Um, and our responsibility is to submit to his word, uh, and, and not try to twist it and conform it in any way, shape or form to our own will. Um, and so, uh, we, we do pray for uh, the Arbery family. We pray for the McMichael family. We pray for other families that we don't know their names that are involved in this and, uh, and will continue to be involved in it as, as it proceeds. But, um, um, you know, our, our, our goal here was to just have an honest conversation based upon the facts and based upon what Scripture says and what the gospel teaches and has shown what Christ himself as our elder brother has shown us by example and how we are to uh, respond and, and brings absolute clarity to Josh's point. Amen. Well, we appreciate you guys. We're getting out of here and uh, see you. See you later. <laughs>